You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Good morning. My name is Phil Nelson. For those of you who are visiting, if you are visiting the first, second, or third time, we just want to say thank you so much uh, for being with us today. I am truly pumped about today. I believe that every person, teen, child, adult, parent, husband, wife, grandma, grandpa, and you name it, whatever you are, this message is for you. I am so excited that I get to deliver what the Holy Spirit has downloaded in my heart as a parent, as a man, as a pastor, as a father, and as a husband. And so you are in for God speaking to your hearts today. Are you ready for that? Are you ready? Yeah. We're going to pray in a moment, but um, we just, uh, how many guessed home improvement? How many of you? Well, you were probably alive in the 1990s then. And um, uh, Tim the Toolman, home improvement is all about the trials and the tribulations in the life of Tim the Taylor, or excuse me, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Can I get a Tim the Toolman Taylor grunt? That that was pretty good, but I think I'm going to get a better reception, especially from the ladies. Uh, We'll do it this way, okay? All of the Ohio State fans that are really excited about their win yesterday, give me a Tim the Toolman Taylor grunt. Wow. Wow, so you're not excited. Well, that that bombed. (laughs) So do it it for me, whether you like Ohio State Buckeyes or not. Why don't you give me, yeah, give me a Tim the Toolman Taylor grunt. Women are like, what's the grunt sound like? So let's do it. Ready? One, two, three. Sounded like a bunch of cows. But anyways, let's get going. I'm being timed. Um, So what we see in Home Improvement, why this is such a pop, was a popular show and still is today, but why it was so humorous is the humor surrounded Tim the Toolman Taylor. And what was going on is he really sincerely, genuinely tried loving and serving his wife, raising his three boys. How many have three plus kids in the house? Yeah, wow, awesome, awesome. Some of the teenagers raised their hand. Um, We're in trouble. (laughs) You have cats? Okay, that works too. Um, Yeah, so he's raising these three boys, trying to have a healthy marriage, and something happens. A lot of things happen. Distractions. His distractions were cars, tools, toys, garages, any football, anything that was a fixer-upper challenge to make him look good, he was all about it. And what happened is everything else fell apart when he would get distracted on something else until he received some high uh, wisdom, insightful wisdom from his neighbor, Wilson, yeah, it's not the ball in Castaway, but yes, the neighbor, Wilson. And then he starts to realize by the end of the show where there's about five minutes left that his priorities got sabotaged by his distractions. And guess what? That is what we're going to talk about today. We are going to look at the craziness of life that we are bombarded in. We're in a whirlwind of the craziness of life. And if we're not careful, it will pull us 
over the line every time. It will leave us exhausted. It will leave us tired. It will leave us confused. It will leave us frustrated. It will leave us empty. It will leave us void of what we desire for our family in the future. It will distract us and overpower us every time from what we say really matters. And that's why I believe this Family Matters series is so crucial to every single person here watching on live stream or listening. This is crucial. Our stakes for our family are extremely high. The stakes for our family in the future are extremely high. And so we've covered three main themes so far in this series. This is part four today. The first one was the influential parent. And what we looked at is we are going to try as parents to make the most of the 3,000 hours we have with our kids every year. That's what, rep uh, that's what these gumballs are representing. The church has 40 hours a year. Why 40? Isn't there 52 uh, Sundays in a year? Yeah, but sadly in our culture, the average family only attends 40 services a year. Why? Well, because distractions keep us from what is priority. It just, it's real. Don't feel condemned about it, but it's just a real issue. And so influential parent is all about making the most to do three things with your kids. Number one, you teach them the word of God. Number two, you engage them with the word of God. And number three, you live out the word of God. That's how you influence your kids. You teach the word of God. Do you know the word of God? Do your kids know the word of God? Influence. You engage them with the word of God and you model the word of God. They don't know how much you care until they know how, uh, they don't know, they don't care how much you know. Screw it up, Phil. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care what you tell them to do until they see it reflected in your life. The second week was imagine the end. Imagine the end. This is all about focusing on when your kids leave the nest and go off to college, go off to work, go off to live on their own, what is it that matters most for what they achieve and what they do? And what we've realized is it really isn't about what they do when they leave the nest. It's about who they become. God has never been more concerned about what you do more than who you become. Because how many can attest and give a testimony to God that as I became more and more like Jesus, the things that I began to do reflected who I became. Who you become will determine what you do. And so that's why it's so important, parents and teens and young adults that one day will be parents, you have to stay focused on the end or the present circumstances will sabotage you every time. Every time. Last week we looked at fighting for the heart. We're learning that fighting with our family members never works. But fighting for the heart of our family members works every time. Because that is the design of relationships through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer. We fight for the heart. You see, when you fight with one another, what do you elevate? You elevate rules. Rules aren't bad, but rules should never be the first thing. 
God never gave us rules before he gave us relationship. Hello. So when we fight with each other, we're telling them that we want them to lose and us to win, and we elevate rules. When we fight for one another, we elevate relationship. We say, we're both going to win. We're in this together. We are a family unit, and we're going to work this out. That's fighting for the heart. And this week, I'm so excited, parents. We're going to make it personal. Can you read this as I point? Ready? Good job, class. Let's do it one more time. Make it personal. Not take it personal. Big difference. When you take it personal, you get offended and you get all out of whack. And it becomes about you. But when you make it personal, it now is your number one focus. It is at your front door, per se. It is something that when you turn the TV on, or you look at your phone, or you talk to someone about what's happening in our world, it becomes right here. Sometimes it's like a two by four right between your eyes and you make it personal and then you are focused on what really matters. And that's what we're going to do today. How many parents would agree with me? Because I don't think I'm alone, but maybe I'm alone. That parenting often feels like a tug of war battle that you just cannot win. A few of you. Other of you are just superhero parents. You got it. You can leave now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all can relate to some degree that we are in a tug-of-war fight. We are in a tug-of-war battle for the things that want to distract us and grab our attention, the things that mask themselves as priority and important begin to tug on us. And if we're not careful and we don't anchor ourselves to what really matters, we are going to lose. And if you lose, guess who else loses? Your families lose. And here at Elevation and the Word of God, I believe, does not want us to lose to what's on the other side, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. It, it doesn't matter. A lot of this stuff on the other side is good, is good. But when it becomes to pull us and draw us and direct us and determine our footsteps, it becomes bad. And our families suffer. And so we are going to make it personal as we lead our lives and our families. And you know what? Since I have a rope up here, I just thought we might as well have fun and I can show you how strong your lead pastor really is. So it's all about me right now. Um, I'm kidding. You can laugh. It's okay. So worship team, can you come on up? Um, I forgot that we're going to have a set piece, so we're going to have to do this a little differently. So come on up, come on up. Can we give it for the worship team? Come on. Come on up. Go, go, go. My message is being timed, so hurry up. All right. Who do you think's going to win? Brenda. Yeah. All right. Be careful, do not fall, okay? All right, count us up. One, two, three, ready? One, go. Oh, come on! This is sad, I'm really good. 
Okay, okay. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I wasn't grounded. Wait a minute, uh, time out, time out. Hold on one second. I didn't do my yoga this morning. Okay. Are you ready? I think I got it. I need to anchor myself. I'm good now, okay? Cue the music. Let's go. Go. Come on, pull with all your might. Come on, pull. Pull. Pull, come on. All right, let's give it up. That reminded me too much of the bloody game yesterday. Bring up the lights back up. Yeah, that's what's going on. We have a tug of war, and if we do not learn, family, if we do not learn to anchor ourselves to the right thing, we will lose the battle of distractions and priorities every time. Look, look, at, your, look at your life. Look at how you raise your family, not to feel guilty, but to learn from it. Look how the pressures and the circumstances and what the kids tell you is most important and what you think is most important, it exhausts you to the point where, guess what? Your schedule is full, your finances are empty, and your energy is kind of like Pastor Phil wheezing right now, right? And so we first need to address the competitors on the other side of the rope that you are daily going to face. And then we're gonna look at what we're anchored to to fight this battle and win. And then number two, or number three, is we're going to look at what we place first in our lives will determine the tug of war match results. So let's get going, but first I do wanna pray. So would we just bow our heads, bow our hearts? If you are here this morning and you truly want God to speak to your life, if you're here and you just feel lost, confused, you don't even know where you are with this Christianity thing. If you're here and you're living for God and you want to reflect his ways and you want your family to win, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm just gonna ask you to hold your hands out in front of you, palms up, like you are expecting to receive from God this morning. God wants us as his children to come expecting him to work. So God, we, in the presence of your son, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we boldly enter your presence. We know that where your presence is, there is peace. We know where your presence is, there is fullness of joy. Some people need a huge refilling of joy this morning. Father, in your presence is full wisdom and truth. And we ask that we would receive your word in abundance today. I ask that chains would break and fall off and families would begin to win because they put you first. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to um, include my um, Vanna White, Pastor Daniel. Um, <laughs> if you could bring up the first one, that one right now, the first one feelings. So here's our first, thank you, Vanna. <laughs> Here is our very first competitor on the other side. Feelings, nothing but feelings, right? Feelings aren't bad. Some of you need to feel a little bit more. 
However, God has given us emotion. God is an emotional God. He is a God full of joy, full of mercy, full of happiness, full of delight, full of mercy, full of peace. However, he never created emotion to drive and dictate our responses. He never, he never created emotions to be our God. He alone is God. We looked at Deuteronomy 6 during this series. I, the Lord, am one. I, your Lord, is the only Lord. And when we allow our feelings to be God and direct us in our action, we are giving a victory to our feelings and we're going to find ourselves being pulled in directions you don't want to go. Number two is commitments. This one's big, I believe, for our generation because our culture, I believe, is the busiest culture we've ever seen in history because of all the advancements and everything going on. Uh, we, where am I going to put all this? We'll put it right here. We have a problem with commitments. We do not know how to say that two-letter word, no. We don't know how to say it, whether or not we're trying to please somebody, we're trying to live for approval, and so we got to do everything that everyone else is doing, or we feel like if we're not busy and we're not doing what everyone else is doing, that we're not successful parents. Guys, I have to tell you, I love sports, and my child's probably going to be in sports next year. But we have got a sports problem in our culture to where people, do you realize why? I, I, I'm going to go here. I'm sorry. Do you realize why it's only 40 hours and not 52 hours? Sports. Sports. Sports are a great thing. Sports are awesome. Sports are wonderful, but they are not God. And they should never take the place of God. And when they do, you are in a battle and a fight where you are going to go places and your children, when they leave the nest, are going to say sports was the most important thing to mom and dad. So sports will be the most important thing to me. Don't believe me? Watch it unfold. Love you. Next. I just want you to know that this is not a condemnation sermon. This is a motivational wake-up sermon. For me, maybe you, you're maybe already woke, awoke, uh, awakened, okay? Technical devices. This, one, this one's a struggle for me, okay? Last 15 years, God has strengthened this with me, and I've come a long ways. And this one, I have a rock as a wife who makes me make the right commitments. <laughs> Not makes me, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, she does make me. <laughs> but this one, this one's tough, okay? And so I don't want you to hear from me. I want you to hear from a secular expert on social media and the next generation. But here's the thing. Adults who don't necessarily do a lot of social media and a lot of cell phones, Listen very closely, because if you do, it will hit you square between the eyes. Watch this. Now, let's add in technology. We know that engagement with social media and our cell phones releases a chemical called dopamine. 
That's why when you get a text, it feels good. Right? So you know, we've all had it where you're feeling a little bit down or feeling a bit lonely, and so you send out 10 texts to 10 friends, you know, hi, 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 hi. Because <laughs> it feels good when you get a response. It's why we count the likes, it's why we go back 10 times to see if, and if it's going, if our, my Instagram is growing slower, I would, I, I, did I do something wrong? Do they not like me anymore, right? The, the trauma for young kids to be unfriended, right? Because we know when you get it, you get a hit of dopamine, which feels good. It's why we like it, it's why we keep going back to it. Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's highly, highly addictive, right? We have age restrictions on smoking, gambling, and uh, alcohol, and we have no age restrictions on social media and cell phones, which is the equivalent of opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to our teenagers, hey, by the way, this adolescence thing, if it gets you down, <laughs> But that's basically what's happening. That's basically what's happening, right? That's basically what happened. You have an entire generation that has access to an addictive, numbing chemical called dopamine through social media and cell phones as they're going through the high stress of adolescence. Why is this important? Almost every alcoholic discovered alcohol when they were teenagers. When we're very, very young, the only approval we need is the approval of our parents. And as we go through adolescence, we make this transition where we now need the approval of our peers. Very frustrating for our parents, very important for us. It allows us to acculturate outside of our immediate families into the broader tribe, right? It's a highly, highly stressful and anxious period of our lives, and we're supposed to learn to rely on our friends. Some people, quite by accident, discover alcohol and numbing effects of dopamine to help them cope with the stresses and anxieties of adolescence. Unfortunately, that becomes hardwired in their brains, and for the rest of their lives, when they suffer significant stress, they will not turn to a person, they will turn to the bottle. Social stress, financial stress, career stress, that's pretty much the primary reasons why an alcoholic drinks, right? What's happening is because we're allowing unfettered access to these dopamine-producing devices and media, basically it's becoming hardwired, and what we're seeing is as they grow older, too many kids don't know how to form deep, meaningful relationships. Their words, not mine. They will admit that many of their friendships are superficial. They will admit that their friends, that they don't count on their friends, they don't rely on their friends, they have fun with their friends, but they also know that their friends will cancel on them if something better comes along. Deep, meaningful relationships are not there because they never practice the skill set, and worse, they don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. So when significant stress starts to show up in their lives, they're not turning to a person, they're turning to a device, they're turning to social media, they're turning to these things which offer temporary relief. We know, the science is clear, we know that people who spend more time on Facebook suffer higher rates of depression than people who spend less time on Facebook. These things balanced. Alcohol is not bad, too much alcohol is bad. Gambling is fun, too much gambling is dangerous. There's nothing wrong with social media and cell phones. It's the imbalance. If you're sitting at dinner with your friends and you're texting somebody who's not there, that's a problem. That's an addiction. If you're sitting in a meeting with people you're supposed to be listening to and speaking and you put your phone on the table, face up or face down, I don't care, that sends a subconscious message to the room that you're, not just, you're just not that important to me right now, right? That's what happens. And the fact that you cannot put it away is because you are addicted, right? If you wake up and you check your phone before you say good morning to your girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse, you have an addiction. And like all addiction, in time, it'll destroy relationships, it'll cost time, and it'll cost money, and it'll make your life worse. Ow.
So the question is, why is this so important? Why does it matter? We really need to know that, don't we? We're, we're, we're human beings that want to know why. Why is God's commandments important? Why is following after God so important? Why is always winning the battle of distraction so important? Why? Well, is your family important? Are the future of your children, the spiritual future of your children, important enough for you to fight? You get to choose. You are the parent. The stakes are high, brothers and sisters. The stakes are so high because if we can look beyond our present and imagine ourselves and our children standing in eternity before the judgment seat of God where everything that we have lived on earth is but a shadow and everything that matters most is the decisions we made before we left this earth that's what the Bible stands for by the way basic instructions before leaving earth. This is important. Stakes are high. This is the most important thing. You think deciding whether or not your child should do the activity or sport that they think is most important, it's not. Whether or not you're in the right job or not making enough money is most important, it's not. The most important thing is who you decide to make a Lord in your life and who your child becomes that one day when they leave the nest that they will be able to make that same commitment. I would hate to be a parent up before the throne of God and watch my kids say, Mom and Dad never told me this. Mom and Dad never made this important. And now I don't know what I'm going to do. The stakes are high. And so now with that, how do we fight? How do we make this personal? Don't take it personally. How do we make it personal? How do all of you, maybe your children are grown up and out of the nest, you can still make this personal. Your grandkids, the stakes of your grandkids are in the balance. How do we make this personal? Two things. The first one is are you anchored to truth? Because if you're not anchored to truth, you are not anchored to anything stable. But here's the problem. Our culture doesn't believe in truth anymore. I'm just being honest. Our culture is all about skepticism, relevancy, and not offending anybody. Ravi Zacharias is one of the leading apologetics in America and in the world. If you don't know that name or you've never heard from him, you need to listen to Ravi. I listened to a message this week about truth. And there's not quotations because I kind of summed up what he was saying. And it goes like this. 
Our world is dying because absolute truth has been replaced. We have come from a place of thinking, rash, thinking, place of thinking rational beings to skeptical beings, to relevant relative beings, to emotional beings. And now postmodernism has crept in and it came along and told us you can define your own kind of self-being. And so now our world view has concluded that there is no such thing as absolute truth. There's no such thing as meaning. And there's no such thing as certainty. We are now facing a reality where the youngest among us, among us is the loneliness, loneliest of all. Where the youngest among us, among us is the loneliest of us all. That should be disconcerting to you. And what's interesting for truth, truth has always been the battle between good and evil, always. Let's go back to the first battle of truth, to the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect, man and woman were perfect, and they were one with God. They were ruling and reigning over the earth and creation that God created as he designed it. What happens? What happens? The tempter comes in in the form of a serpent, and what does he tempt Adam and Eve? Not to eat the apple. That's not the temptation. What's the temptation? Well, it's over the first and the only commandment that there was in the garden. There was only one commandment. You read the rest of the Old Testament, and there's thousands of commandments. What happened? One commandment. Do you know what that was? Thou shall not eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. So what was the temptation? You, Adam, you, Eve, get to play God. You get to decide what is good. You get to decide what is evil. You are the definers of yourself. And now, 2019, nothing has changed. The fight is still, you get to decide what is right and wrong. And we wonder why we're losing the battle for our families. You see, the problem, see if you get this, the problem was not with the apple in the tree. It was with the pear on the ground. Hold on, there's going to be a wave. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. It's true. <laughs> we have bought in the lie that we get to play God. We get to develop truth. And how has that worked out for us? We are losing the tug-of-war match every day unless we learn how to ground and anchor ourselves in the word of God, which is absolute truth. Absolute truth. The only truth, the only way, the only life is found in the word of God through Jesus Christ. Read this along with me in Matthew 7. 
Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Listen, listen to this. This is powerful. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. It's like a person who builds their house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it what? Won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is what? Foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand, and when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse in a mighty crash. So my question to us today is this. Do we, does Phil Nelson, value what God says enough to make that the bedrock of every decision and every choice and everything I do. That's really the case of the tug-of-war battle. What are you anchored to? If it's not the truth of God, you are losing the word of God, plus nothing else, gives you everything that you need for your family to win. So if you value, if you say, because making it personal, by the way, making it personal is saying, you know what? It's not so much what I say is important anymore. It's what I do. And how I choose to live my life and raise my family is going to put the words in my mouth. That's making it personal. Because us Christians, we do this very well. We say what's important, but then we are so hypocritical by doing the opposite. Why? Because we're sinful beings, saved by grace, filled with the Holy Spirit. But until we leave this human body, we are going to be tempted in every way to lose the tug of war match. But you can never lose, friends, if you are anchored to the truth of God. So you need to ask yourself, do I value God enough to stop playing God and allow God to be my anchor? Because when you play God, you operate in your limited strength. When you anchor to God, you don't operate. You allow him to operate in his unlimited resources of power. What are you doing? Are you exhausted in life right now? Stop pulling and allow yourself to be anchored to the truth. Well, what is truth? I'm so glad you asked. Let's look in the Word. Turn to James if you have your Bibles with you. If not, it'll be on the screen. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Get this. Let this sink in, guys. But don't just listen to God's Word. Don't just listen to God's Word. Hey, by the way, friends, don't just listen to God's Word. You must also do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. There's that foolish word again. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. This isn't my words. These, these are Paul's words, or excuse me, James' words. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that what? Say that set you free. 
truth of God will set you free. If you look into it, and if you do, 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 do what it says, do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you. How many want the blessings of God in their life? You cannot win as a family without God's blessings. How do you get God's blessings? You listen to his word, you anchor yourself to his word, and you obey his word, period. Some of you are fighting a battle that was never yours to fight. You're pulling so hard. You're exhausted. You're fighting with every breath you have. And God's saying, why don't you let go? Anchor yourself to me. Take my yoke upon you. Why are you heavy, laden, and burdened with stress? Come to me, all you who are weary. Take my burden. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Learn from me. Learn from me. Learn from me. When you learn from him, you become an unmovable, unshakable force. Your family needs that. Your family needs that. And so the question remains, are you anchored to truth? I'm running out of time. Follow me. Follow me. Imagine you are in a rowboat and you're about 50 miles, 50 feet from the shore. 50 feet from the shore. Just imagine with me, a rowboat, speedboat, whatever, pontoon boat, whatever you like. And you take that anchor and you toss it 50 feet to the shore. And your objective is to pull yourself, your family that's in it, and the boat to the shore, correct? So let me ask you, are you moving the shore to your boat or are you moving the boat to the shore? You're moving the boat to the shore. But how we live our lives when we're not anchored to the truth is quite the opposite. We think when we play God that we can pull God to us. In our sphere, in our circumstances, you know what, God, I want you to come here. Come my way. Come bend my way. I'm in this circumstances. Come give me what I need. And we don't anchor ourselves to the truth to figure out what we need. It's us pulling ourselves to God. Not the opposite. Not the opposite. So with truth, how do we fight feelings with truth? Feelings are healthy. And guess what? Feelings are indicators. I had a horrible attitude, and it wasn't because of the game yesterday. But I had a horrible attitude. And I had to make the decision, am I going to follow the leading of my feelings, or am I going to go back and anchor to the truth? I feel tired. I feel, feel irritable. And I'm a little pissy. Come on, I'm just speaking truth here. <laughs> and when I go to the word of God, I find that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I find that the peace of God passes all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And I find that I am more than a conqueror in Jesus, that there is no condemnation of those who are found in Christ Jesus, and nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
Now, all of a sudden, I'm being grounded, and the feelings are not dictating who I am and what I do. Many of you struggle with fear. We are going to get set free of fear today. How many want to get set free of fear? you got to want it. you got to want it, okay? So let's, let's take our fear. I want you to imagine the one fear you have, and I'm going to tell you mine. I don't have it anymore. It just comes up once in a while. My fear is failure. My fear is never being enough for God, for my family, and for you, my family. That's my fear. Now, I'm more than a conqueror, and I've kicked that fear in the face. But sometimes it still gets up. So I want you, find your fear. What is your fear right now? Imagine it, see it. See it. Come on, don't say you don't have a fear. If you don't have a fear, you're living in full victory. And maybe that's you. What is that fear? Now I want you to repeat after me. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Fear, you have no control over me. Fear, you must go. I'm losing people. Do you want to be free? Fear, you are defeated. I no longer partner with you, fear. Now go where Jesus would send you. Now tear in your mind tear that piece of paper with that fear up on there and set it on fire. And you do this and you do this and you're anchored to the truth. Those of you who are struggling with worry and anxiety and it's choking the life out of you, are you anchored to the truth or are you allowing it to dictate you? Jesus said, don't worry about a thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but come to the Lord. Seek the Lord in prayer. Tell him everything you have going on in your life. And oh, by the way, be thankful for what he's done. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 5 says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And our commitments, are we allowing them to dictate us or are we going back to the truth and allowing the truth to drive our decisions? And so the second point is what are you seeking to place first in your life? And I just read that verse in Matthew 6, 33. The Israelites in that time were struggling with worry and fear about the unforeseen future. Sound familiar? And Jesus says, why are you worrying? Why are you not filled with joy and obedience? He says, seek after the things of God. And guess what? Your father who cares for you and loves you and owns everything will give you everything you need. But you have to place him first. And when your feelings come, there's that tug of war match. Are you giving 
first place to your feelings or are you giving first place to truth? In your commitments, are you giving first place to your activities, to your sports, your working way too many hours over being present and engaging with your family? Are you making commitments even more important than your healthy marriage that needs your healthy contribution? What you put first shows who is God of your life in that moment. Now it's personal. What you put in first place becomes either a God or an idol. And God said, there will be no other God before me. And so I'd like the band to come up. And we're going to close this puppy out. I, I would encourage all of you to just stay put and listen and engage because this is where the rubber meets the road. We really need to make a decision today. Are we putting a stake in the ground and saying no more? Yes, we're flawed and we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get it wrong. But that is the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He says, wash yourself up. Get up. Look at your accusers. There are none. Come, follow me, and sin no more. And then guess what? When you sin again and fall on your face, Jesus is right there to pick you up. But you have to be committed to be anchored to the truth and to seek Jesus and the things of heaven first. So what do you need to do? So here's our two family challenges for this week. Number one, I want you to go back to the blueprint of how you are building your life and ask yourselves, who told me that? Where did I get that from? This anger and this irritableness and this self-righteousness and this pride is overwhelming me. Where did I hear this from? This depression and discouragement and anxiety is way too overwhelming for me. Is God punishing me? You need to figure yourself, figure for yourself where that is coming from. And when it is not anchored in the truth of God, you need to do exactly what we just did. You need to kick it in the face and be anchored to the truth and allow God to fight that battle. Who told you that? Guys, if we just operate from what the culture feeds us and what our parents taught us and what the church taught us and what Pastor Phil taught us, we're like robots. But God has developed truth and he developed the tree of good and evil in the garden because we have a choice to seek him. We have a choice to allow him to be God or not. And secondly, is put some very clear stakes in the ground. Set specific boundaries, non-negotiables around your family that you will and will not allow. Technology, parents, you need to figure out what to do. You need to figure it out. Because your kids with their phones in their bedroom without supervision is not wise. It's not. When you go to dinner, this thing's got to go off. Or you're telling your wife and your kids that this is more important. 
I'm teaching to myself, by the way. Lauren, would you come up? My better half. You can bring Joseph if you want. I'm, I'm going to call you family to respond. Parents, mom and dad, teens, young adults, single, wanting to get married, engaged, whatever. It needs to become personal now, and you need to get real. I'm just going to lead our time of response. And I'm going to be vulnerable enough in front of you to do something. Okay? I love you. And I want to tell you something. I'm really sorry when I get distracted by my phone. And when I get distracted by the TV. And when I get distracted by texts that come in from church. And when I get distracted about church stuff and I, you have to ask daddy question after question after question, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Joseph, you are the most important thing other than God. You are the most important thing in my life with mommy and Emery. And I want you to see Jesus in me. I want you to know that God is the most important thing in our lives. And honey, I'm really sorry for making the phone more important than you. I'm really sorry for not making our priorities number one of seeking the Lord together. I'm sorry for being absolutely irritable with you. And I want to change. And I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your support. We're going to do this together because what matters is this boy in the kingdom of heaven and Emery in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to do this together. I love you. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. If you need to come forward, if you need to stay where you are, let's get right. Just, yeah, come on down. Just come on down. Let's put a stake in the ground. Let's get personal. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 